Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by Hall of Famer Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. Good to see you. Uh, how you doing? How's your beautiful family? Everyone's doing good. We had a nice, quiet Father's Day yesterday. Um, kids all doing good. Everything's good. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. A little belated. Hope everybody had a great day, and I'm glad you had a great day. And I had a great day with my family and my grandchildren, my children. The only thing missing is my son, you know, and that's a big thing to be missing out in Vegas with the Raiders, of course. But guess what? The good news is they get one vacation a year, uh, the NFL, you know. It's not called not for long for no reason. You're, <laughs> it's, you know, you you got to be dedicated to make it in that business. Let me tell you, I'm proud of my daughter. She's a lawyer. I'm proud of my son. I'm proud of both of them for their grit and determination to get to where they've gotten. But he'll be coming home Saturday uh, for three weeks, and we have our whole family together. We have our three grandchildren together, and everybody. Uh, yesterday was great, but we were missing him and his son and his wife, but we were down in LBI uh, with with my son-in-law and his family, our family, and I was uh, I was digging holes. I was I was the hole digger. I was the <laughs> I was the hole digger. I was uh, digging a lot of holes in the sand dunes over there. I hope nobody falls in them uh, because <laughs> I I dug a couple very deep ones. Uh, well, you know what they say, Teddy? When you're in a deep hole, stop digging. Well, I I. <laughs> I did. I didn't hit water, but I did stop digging, not because of that great advice. Um, and it is great advice. I stopped digging because my freaking back gave out. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, want to take a minute to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, Magic Spoon. If you've heard us talk about this before, it's the healthiest cereal out there. Uh, I used to love indulging in cereal when I was younger, but it's most of the cereals today are so full of sugar and carbs that I've had to uh, forego my uh, favorite indulgence. But with the addition of my four children, we now have cereal in the house all the time. So it was refreshing to find Magic Spoon with zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein per serving, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. Um, we've been eating a lot of this stuff, only 140 calories per serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. We've been getting the variety pack, four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. The kids usually mix the cocoa and peanut butter to make a peanut butter cup cereal. Again, I've been snacking on this stuff like crazy, um, but it has so much goodness in it. I've been doing it guilt-free. Go to magicspoon.com slash atlas to grab a variety pack and try it today. Use our promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, at checkout to save $5 on your first order. That's magicspoon.com slash atlas. Use the promo code ATLAS to save $5 on your first order. Hey guys, today's episode is also supported by Athletic Greens, the all-in-one daily drink to support better health and peak performance. Uh, I love this stuff. I've been saying it for the last couple of years. These guys spent 10 years with the top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It's got vitamins, minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, and antioxidants. Consider it like an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. This is all you need to stay on top of your immunity with 12 servings 
tons of fruit and vegetables. No need for multivitamins or whatever else you take, and Athletic Greens has you covered. Uh, special offer for our listeners, Athletic Greens has given 10 free travel packs with your first order. So whether you're looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, Athletic Greens is the way to go. Simply visit athleticgreens.com atlas to claim the special offer of 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash atlas. Well, we had a busy week of fights, busy weekend of fights. Uh, obviously, UFC is always in action, but we had a lot of boxing matches this weekend. Um, let's get right into it. There's a lot of stuff to cover. Jamal Charlo was in action against Juan Montiel. Juan Montiel probably gave him a little more trouble than what um, Charlo was anticipating. Charlo gets the unanimous decision, but Montiel finished strong and had moments in the fight where he looked good. Um, what would you think about that one? Listen, here there's a, there's a lot to a simple fight in this case. First of all, uh, Macias was awkwardly clever. He was awkward. He was unorthodox. Uh, not an easy style to deal with. There's no doubt about that, uh, you know, at all. But there's no doubt he was also knocked out by a smaller guy. Uh, well, he's not so damn small, but uh, the, the junior, the former junior middleweight champion, Munguia, Jamie Munguia, had knocked him out. And so he gets in there with Charlo, and he goes the route, and it was a good fight. It wasn't a bad fight. It was it was the best fight of all the fights in boxing that night because they were all one-sided, to be honest. But this fight was, uh, it was one-sided. You know, only one guy was going to win, uh, but it was a competitive one-sided fight. Does that make sense, Ken? You yep. know, that it was it was a competitive one fight, uh, one-sided fight. And Marseilles had his moments where, you know, uh, he kind of, I don't know, he, Maybe he, I'm not saying he exposed Charlo, but Charlo was easy to hit. Let me just get right to the point. He wasn't that hard to hit. He got hit, a, he got hit some shots I'm sure they're not happy about. I looked at him a couple of times and I didn't hear any, any commentating about it, but I, he got so squared sometimes, so parallel with his feet. When you get that parallel, they better correct that because he's got a real good trainer, but when you get that square in a ring, you become more of a surface, easier to hit, in other words. There's more, there's more to hit when you're squared up like that. And he was squared up where there was a lot to hit, and especially with uppercuts. He was getting caught with uppercuts. Um, listen, he, he won the fight. He, uh, you know, he, he, I guess he, in most people's opinions, he dominated the fight. But again, I, I thought it was a competitive uh, one-sided fight. Uh, because Marcias was so game, so gritty, so awkward. At the beginning, I wasn't sure. I thought he was going to be just awkwardly clever surviving. And then it switched. He switched gears. He switched mentalities, and he started trying to win, uh, which made it obviously more interesting. Uh, here's the thing, though. Having said that, you know, give credit for that. Give credit where credit's due. But... I'm tired of seeing these fights, Ken. I don't know if you're with me on this and if the fans are with me, but I know the fans are because they talk to me and they tell me, yeah, we're tired of, we're kind of tired of this in-house stuff where whoever, and I'm not picking on one particular promoter, all of them, whether it's Hearn, whether it's PPC with Heyman, <coughs> whether it's Top Rank with ESPN, or whatever. <laughs> There's only a few power brokers out there now. And 
they all do this freaking in-house thing, Ken, where, <laughs> you know, like even in the Macias fight, which was the only really decent one of the night with all of them, they were all fighting. All the networks were, were on display. All the promoters were on display. They all had something going, uh, or, or, you know, or the, the, you know, the zone was going. Uh, everybody was going. And they were all one-sided. This was the best one of the lot. But, you knew who was going to win, just like in this fight. Only one guy was going to win. It was, it was set up that way. And you just get tired of, again, this, each one of these freaking promoters. And listen, their they're sugar daddy is the network. You know, yeah, I want to use a strong word. I want to get people's freaking attention. That's their sugar daddy, the 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 network. That's, you know, without them, they can't do it. That's the one that funds them. That's the one that supplies them the money. And that's their partner. And it's like a shell game, like a con game to the fans out there. Like, you know, we're putting a, we'll put our star out there. They all have their stars, right? Uh, some have more than others. We'll put one of our stars out there, one of our marquee guys out there, so we'll draw the fans in. But we'll, we'll, we'll put him in with a, a guy he can't, that, that he has no real danger against. That, that uh, it's really, you know, it, it could only go one way. And you're cheating the fans. You're not giving them a competitive fight. Uh, you know, and, and you're hurting the sport. Uh, you know, the, and, and even the brand of your network is getting hurt because people aren't that stupid. I know you think they are, but they're really not. After a while, they start to go away a little bit. They're, they're, gonna, they're not going to stay with you. I know they're going to be there for the big ones, and they throw them a bone every once in a while, but on the whole, you get where you got Saturday too often where their in-house fighter is being protected and they're not in competitive fights and they expect people to come out and watch the damn thing, you know, and some people do, but a, a lot of people are starting to, they're, they're starting to, they're starting to go to the gates. They're starting to leave the arena. And one of the reasons why the UFC, and I've said this before, continues to grow on a regular basis where weekly they will outdo the numbers usually of a regular show. I'm not talking about, listen, the cable, these big cable networks, Showtime, they have an advantage because they have a built-in base. They have a major cable network. I get it. Uh, but when you, when you really break it down the right way, break it down the proper way, and you look at the numbers, well, UFC is kicking their backside on, on regular shows. And again, I'm not talking about when Canelo fights. Uh, I'm not talking about when Fury fights, you know, against Joshua or against Wilder. You know, those are different universal numbers they're going to do. But on the, on the regular shows, UFC is kicking their behind and because they put competitive fights on. Or there's a reason why they got this documentary series that's been showing every week, uh, The Four Kings on Showtime, because it's about the 80s. It's about Hagler, Hearns, Duran, and Sugar Ray Leonard. It's about when there was great talent. There's always good talent around. There was great talent then, but the main thing was they were fighting each other. They were freaking fighting each other, you know, all the time. And that's why the 80s is still relevant. That's why they talk about it. That's why they did a documentary series on it for that reason. They ain't doing no documentary series on this stuff. That I can tell you. Nobody's saying, hey, that's our next docu. is going to be the, uh, this, this uh, 
period of time. <laughs> no, I don't have to be a TV executive to know that that, that conversation, that meeting, it ain't happening. It ain't <laughs> happening. So I'm just, I, I watched. It was, it was okay fight. It was a decent fight. Uh, I gave it its dues, which I'm always going to do. I'm going to tell the truth. But just get tired of this shell game, of this con game, of of all all these power brokers, these these main promoters I just named, where they're using their network to to just to play a game with the fans. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, it's like it's like going it's like going to look in Macy's window. You go and you look in Macy's window around Christmas time, and you're gonna have something great in there, because they want to get you in the store. And then you get in the store, and in boxing terms, you know what would happen, Ken? You get in the store and you say, "Wow, I really love what I just saw in your window over there. I'd like to get that." Oh, sorry, we're all out. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we're all out. Uh, you know, you. I could just see you, Ken, around Christmas time. You go in there with all your kids, all your beautiful kids, right? You, you got a whole team there, and and you go, you go a whole stable of fighters. You go walking in, and hey, well, my kids, uh, I'm glad you put that window up. It, it did the job. It got me in here. I'm in your store. Uh, I'd like to get five of them, four of them. You have four kids. I'd like to get four of them, please. Uh, sorry, Mr. Rideout, because of course they know who you are. Uh, sorry, Mr. <laughs> Rideout. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't have them in inventory. What? What do you mean? You have it in your window. No, yeah, but we, we just put it up there to get you in the store. But we got something else we'd like to say. Yeah? <laughs> I mean, I'm tired of it. I want to make sure the fans are, that I'm with you. I'm tired of because you come up to me and you tell me this. I'm tired of that shell game, of that BS game that you put it in the Macy's window, you get them in the store, and then you freaking, you got nothing in the warehouse. You got nothing in the inventory. You got nothing. And again, the same thing. The same thing with all these guys, with every freaking one of them. Uh, whether it's, it was the, we're going to get to each one individually, but whether it was the Munguia fight that night, it was Charlo we're talking about in a way, you know, and then we'll talk about some of the other ones that were on that was distractions. But uh, it's the same thing. You know who's going to win. I mean, let the, I don't want to see Charlo. I mean, they've made a lot of money, the Charlo brothers. Heyman's taking good care of them. There's no doubt about it. But, but have they served the fans? Have they served the network? I don't know. I mean, they're, who they're fighting? I mean, you know, uh, I'd like to see them step out of that. And I don't want to see that. You know, late at night, sometimes I watch Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes was a good show, you know, way back. Maybe you're too young, Ken. Uh, but uh, Hogan's Heroes was great. It was great. But so sometimes I'll flick it on. I see it at 11 at night. But after a while, enough Hogan's Heroes, will you? Enough. Enough. I don't want to see Hogan's Heroes no more. I want to see something new. I want to see something that I don't know what the fake is going to happen. I want to see something new. Where I don't just see Sergeant Schultz saying, I see nothing. I see nothing. And I know Rob would get that up for me, Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. But I, I want to see something else. And 
you're not seeing anything else. These guys, it's it's Hogan's heroes over and over again. I want to see Charlo fight one of the champs. I want to see him fight somebody, one of the top guys. I want to see him fight different guys. I like him, but he got hit a lot the other night. I don't know if he's getting better. I don't know if he's regressing a little bit or staying the same, really, um, because he's not. You know, maybe he doesn't feel going into fights that he has to be better or has to be, you know, anything special other than be in shape and he's going to beat these guys because he's supposed to beat them because that's the message that obviously he understands and and obviously that he gets that that's the plan that you're being taken care of to a certain degree. Listen, go make all the money you want, but he's a champion for a little bit of a time now. Let me start seeing him fight other guys. I'd like to see him even fight Magia. Magia, who fought that night. That's what I was going to say. Matter of fact, Magia knocked out the guy he fought. So make that. That's interesting. Magia knocked him out. I know Styles make fights, but so what? Magia knocked him out. Charlo went to distance with this guy. Uh, Make that fight. Make something else. (laughs) Well, speaking of Munguia, he stopped um, Camille Zermeda in the sixth round on the zone main main event uh, earlier in the day. Um, and he looked good doing it. Moves to, I think, uh, 37-0 with 30 knockouts. Now, granted, he hasn't been in there with like world-class guys per se, but he's doing what he has to do. And I think that that fight almost sells itself. Did you get a chance to see the Munguia fight? And what would you think of him? Yeah, give me the pronunciation of his opponent. Zermeda. All right, Zermeda. All right, listen. Zermeda. 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 Listen, Zermeda, game kid, they've thrown him to the wolves. I mean, he was just there to get beat up. This poor guy, they put him in with nobody. They built his record to a beautiful record, undefeated, and then they, they say, okay, kid, it's time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, we're throwing you in, and they throw him in with Triple G, and he and and then they say, okay, now as a gift because you know you 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 know you got beat up in that fight, and you know we threw you in there. That's that's uh, that's treat you a little bit the same. <laughs> you thought I was gonna say a little bit better. Let's treat you a little bit the same, and let's throw you in with Magia now, and so they throw him in with Magia. And Munguia uh, just has target practice with him. Game guy, he winds, He gets forced to really basically quit. I think he quit, right? He quit. He yeah. basically, uh, quit. I mean, that's terrible. They beat him into submission. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. I don't mean to laugh. But but these people can be. Oh, they they can be. They can be rough. They can be rough. Um, uh, they really can. If, if they're your friends, you better freaking. Uh, you better look for new friends. Um, they it's not fun and so he gets built up he gets a built up record he gets thrown in with triple g gets beat up there gets thrown over mcgear gets beat up there and again i'm tired of it i'm i'm tired of it i i i want to see mcgear with somebody else same thing I, you know i think he's improved i think he's gotten better at the beginning he was just a big young george foreman Big, really, he's huge. He's huge. I don't know what weight that fight was at. What weight was that fight at? Middleweight. Middleweight. So he's moved up from junior middleweight to middleweight because you knew that had to happen (laughs) because he's young. He's a young, what is he, 22 years, 23 years old? He's. I mean, he's very young. 
Munguia. And and he can still learn. He can still be formed. You know, big giant guy. He he had the junior middleweight title. Then he moved up. Now I guess he's at middleweight. Um, I'm going by what you're telling me. And uh, what is he, 22, 23 years old, I think? 20, 24. 24. And he's like a young George Foreman. I mean, he throws that uppercut. Uh, he's just so big and strong. Um, and, and, and like I said, he's getting a little better. He's getting a little bit better because he's a little raw. He's a little green around the ears um, as far as technique. Uh, but he's getting better. Uh, I just, uh, what could I say, Ken? I'm tired of these one-sided fights. Too often we're getting those Saturday nights like that, uh, where they're just playing, they're playing the public for fools. Again, they you know they put their star on, or, you know one of their stars on, and basically it's you know it's a setup win. I mean, come on, uh, I said enough. Uh, I that's it. To your point, every network did it. I mean, Showtime had the Charlo fight, the Zone had Munguia, and ESPN rounded it out with uh, in a way in a one-sided, absolute vicious beatdown of Michael Desmarinius. Third round stoppage on knocked him down three times on body shots. Like you said about Munguia, it was just target practice. He just beat the crap out of him. Just listen, <laughs> Ken. You're right again. Uh, I love Inouye. Love him. He's one of my top pound-for-pound fighters in the world. Love him. He takes nothing for granted. He's always ready. He's always prepared. He's always smart. He's everything. He's the monster. That's his name. He's the pride of Japan. He's, you know, uh, there's no shtick to him. There's no fooling around doing something to get attention. His attention is gotten by the way he fights. He goes to the body. He sets up the body punches beautifully with combinations to the head. And he's got quick enough hands where he could go up top and then get it downstairs. When he gets your attention up top, it's planned. It's it's meticulous. It's it's educated. It's it's smart. You go upstairs, then get it downstairs where you find an opening to debilitate you with a punch to the liver. Uh, you know he he's he controls range beautifully. He's got great legs. You know I didn't notice until the other night how good his legs are and how much better they've gotten. He's got legs like Lomachenko. Lomachenko and at one time Mikey Garcia used to have the best legs in boxing. And I'm telling you, in a way, you don't got to run around. You don't got to move around. You don't got to scooter around, uh, motorcycle around the ring like Ali to have great legs. Uh, and he's got great legs. He goes in and out. He controls range with those legs. Tremendous legs. And he's always set. He's always balanced. He doesn't waste a damn thing. Uh, he'll miss every once in a while, but very rarely, you know, very rarely. He, and when he misses, he's not out of position. He's always balanced, always where he needs to be. His technique is great. Uh, his mindset is great. Uh, he took his opponent. How do you pronounce his opponent's name, Ken? Das Marinas. He took Das Marinas. Well, he took him apart. Now, Dasmarea is 33, 30 and 3 with one draw, and now he's been knocked out two times. He's been knocked out two times. Uh, he was knocked out before, now he got, of course, knocked out Saturday night. Uh, again, I said it. I love, in a way, but put him in with the champ or the top guys. You know, I know he was in there in that war not too long ago, which we're grateful for, but nobody thought it was going to be a war, let's be honest, you know, with the former champion, right, Ken? Yeah, the needle in there. 
with Donaire. He was in there with the four. It was a war. It was a great fight, but nobody thought it would be. They thought Donaire was shot. They thought it was over the hill. They didn't expect that. And he got tested in that fight. Very tested in that fight by the former champion. And the new champion, give him credit. Donaire just won a title now. So, yeah, but on the most, other than that, and I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'm not ignoring it just to get my way, but let's put him in with... Let's put him in with other guys now. Um, he's that good, you know. He's, you know. Let's put him in with. Let's put him with with not just a guy. That's the problem. They're just putting him in with guys. I don't want to see Hogan's heroes no more. I don't want to see just guys. He's special. <laughs> he's special. He's special. I just shut off my fax machine. Yes, I have a fax machine. Yes, I have. Yes, I have a stubborn fax machine. It's got its own mind, its own life. You turn it off, it comes back on. And everyone should have a fax machine. Forget about this fancy stuff that Ken has you guys wiring this, wiring that, or, or fax, the fax machine. Just old-fashioned. Somebody sends you a fax, you, you get a piece of paper like this, you look at it, so, all right, yeah, okay. I'm going to answer this fax, and I'm going to send it back. Of facts, no email, none of that stuff. That fa facts, baby. So listen, in a way, I love him. One of the top three fighters in the world right now, no doubt about it. At least in my estimation, pound for pound. Uh, but I don't just want to see him with bodies, with guys, anymore. Uh, I want to, I want to see him with, like I said about the other guys. You know, I really do. I want to see him with, I don't want to use the word credible, but I want to see him with with fights that have, that are, have consequential fights to a certain extent or that have substance to them that, that you can make a little argument. You can't, these fights, you can't make an argument for the other side. You can't. You really can't. So that's it. Let's go to the next. Go ahead, well, Ken. Well, there mean, was there was one redemption story. I don't know if we we didn't even talk about this one, and I don't know if you saw it, but Gabe Rosado upset, huge upset of Beck the bully, uh, Beck Tamir Melikuziev. Um, guy was just knocking everyone out. Gabe Rosado, tough Philly kid. And I think maybe the third round, I, it looked like Beck, Beck the Bully was just going to beat the crap out of Gabe. And Gabe's so tough, I was he was starting to get busted up. And he caught Beck coming in as, as Gabe threw a beautiful overhand right and knocked him out cold. Listen, One, you'd never bet, never bet on a guy named the Bully. Don't. <laughs> because sooner or later, somebody's going to stand up to him and and it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. And it could be a guy with 10 losses, 15 losses, 12 losses. Uh, how many losses does Rosado have? That's a good question. Let me check. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you know that they brought in Rosado as a name, a name, yeah, a, a good name for them to get on his record. But Gabe Rosado yeah. wasn't having it. He looked, I mean, it, it looked no, but very but here's the problem. Here's the problem. When you get handed fights, get handed opponents that you can take care of easily and you build a guy's record up, you're not doing them a favor because somewhere in the future they're going to have to fight someone like Rosado. They're going to have to fight a guy who maybe he's not as hard a hitter, maybe not as slick, maybe not as uh, whatever, but he's experienced. 
He's hardened. He's been forged through the fire. He's a fighter. He's a fighter. He's a professional. And these guys, when they get built up, they're not being done a real favor because then when they've got to fight somebody who's a pro, somebody who might not be great in one area, but they're steady. They're steady. They're reliable. They're dependable. Gabe's 35 years old, and he's got uh, 41 fights, 26 uh, 26 wins, 13 losses. There it is. I was right on the button. Right on the button. Right on the button. I didn't know. I didn't have to look. Listen, uh, it was supposed to be another victim. It almost was. But again, uh, when two things here. When you name a guy bully, look out. Look out. Because you're kind of not doing him a favor, Ken. Because by giving him that nickname, you're kind of telling him it's okay to bully everyone around. You know, it's okay to just get your way. Because bullies get their way until they don't get their way. Really. They get their way until they don't get their way. You never want to... I remember there was a football team. The coach said, we're going to bully guys. And they had brought me in to talk. I'm not going to go into who they were. But they had brought me in to talk, to speak with some of the NFL teams that brought me in to speak to them. And um, I was doing my due diligence. And uh, I asked, you know, I asked my son to help me obviously get some information on the mentality of the team, the mentality of the coach, because usually the team takes on the mentality of the coach, and they were going to bully everyone. And I said, that's not good. <laughs> that, that's, that's not good because you don't want to. It sounds good to some people, like we're going to bully people around. I get it. Uh, if you're going by the definitive, uh, if you're going by the real definitive nature of the speech or the uh the definitive interpretation of the word bully you're going to push people all right i i kind of get it but in my world you don't want to use the word bully because it means you're taking advantage of someone it means you're you're bullying someone it means you're intimidating somebody it means you're you're kind of getting away with kind of not always having to face something Bullies sometimes get away with just being bullies until someone shows up and punches them in the nose. And then all of a sudden, well, now they got to behave like something other than a bully. And so I would never ever refer to somebody bully because for me that's not a positive. And so, again, you, you build these guys' record up and then you, you think you're picking a victim, but you're picking a guy who... Uh, knows how not to be bullied. You're picking a guy that is not going to give you a free ride. You're picking a guy that has experience, who's been there, and um, knows how to behave. Even if he's getting beat up because you're faster, you're younger, you're stronger, but he still knows how to behave. And you need to be prepared for that. And when sometimes the managers don't do these guys or promoters favors by just building them up. You know that old that old commercial, pay me now or pay me later? I, I say that to the fighters all the time. Pay me now, bid, baby, or pay me later. Because either way, you got to pay. You got to pay. You, you pay now by facing the music, by learning what you got to learn, by understanding, by getting answers, uh, by getting your questions answered, by getting answers to your questions. Uh, can I handle this? You got to get an answer to that. What, what will I be able? You got to get an answer to that. And you're better off getting it now than later. 
And so it's no shock. Those things are no shock. Let's move on. Yep. Um, Next up, Anderson Silva wins a split decision in his uh, boxing match against um, <laughs> Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who just... Man, this guy can't get out of his own way. But uh, Anderson Silva looked really good, I thought. I uh, got a split decision. I thought it was probably uh, a unanimous. It should have been a unanimous decision. I thought Anderson Silva outclassed him all night. But what did you think of that one? First of all, congratulations to Silva. A real gentleman, a real class act. You can't always say that Chavez Jr. is quite a class act. I'm not trying to knock him. But first of all, Silva, a real class act iconic one of the greatest mma fighters if not the greatest if not the greatest some people could say he's the greatest and you probably wouldn't get too many arguments um but one of the greatest mf fight mma fighters of all time and he goes into a different sport uh into boxing even though he's a good striker but still he goes into boxing and he beats a former world champion congratulations to him tremendous and now let me say something about Chavez. First off, Chavez Jr., why is someone still paying him? And why is anyone watching him? And I don't like to knock him, but sometimes you have to. Why is anyone knocking him anymore? You know, he's destroying the great name of his father to a certain extent. He's made millions, millions, yeah, millions. He's made millions off of his name. And listen, I'll give him credit that, yes, you know, he's won some fights against some good fighters, and he won a title. I'll give you all that. But that was a long time ago. And now in the last years in his career, he's come in overweight many times, Ken. He's tested dirty for drugs many times. He has quit in fights. It's a joke. Um, really. I mean, you know, he he's like a spoiled kid who keeps getting... What he wants, no matter how bad he is, he parties, he, he parties, he, I think it's pretty much public knowledge that he likes to party, comes in overweight, smokes weed and stuff, that's fine if that's what you're, but not if you're fighting, not if you're fighting, not if you're having people trust you and say, I'm going to pay to watch you, I'm going to pay for pay-per-view, that's not cool, that's not cool, um, he comes in heavy all the time. He doesn't care. Why should we care, Ken? I needed to say it the right way, the honest way. Why should we care? I didn't come here. I didn't say last week I'm going to knock uh, Jose. Uh, uh, I'm going to knock uh, Chavez Jr. But but he deserves it. He deserves it. You know, Silver, who's a legendary, as I said, MMA fighter, he beat him. Um, He's not a he's not a boxer, but he beat him, uh, and it, it wasn't a great fight. But Silver won mostly because he cared more. He cared more than Chavez did. Ken, he cared more. He cared more. Obviously, he came in shape. He came ready. He did his proper preparation. Um, Chavez stood in front. He pressed the fight, but Silver. He, did, he didn't do anything. He stood in front most a lot of rounds, doing nothing. Um, Silva moved a lot with his legs early on, especially uh, on the outside. Moved nicely on his legs. Hey, he's got good legs, even at his age. Um, he did more than Chavez, who didn't throw much. And when he did, he threw one punch at a time. You know, like I said, I'm happy for Silva. 
who, again, we say the truth here, he's basically a shot fighter in the MMA. He, he went beyond his time, and it broke my heart. I did a piece on him. People could look it up on our podcast. Uh, it's in the archives, talking about him, one of the old lions, and, and just broke my heart to see him getting beat by guys that he would have beat five years ago, taking nothing away from the guys that beat him, but getting knocked out uh, <laughs> by by guys that he would have had his way with five years ago. It, it broke my heart to see, just the same as it broke my heart to see Muhammad Ali, you know, getting in there with Holmes or, or, or whoever at the end when it wasn't Ali anymore. Or it broke my heart to see Joe Lewis when I watched the tapes of him in there with Marciano. Great Marciano, great Marciano was great but that Joe Lewis wasn't Joe Lewis that wasn't Joe Lewis that he that he knocked out and these guys stayed too long and sometimes and to see Silver stays the great Silver the great Silver the greatest of all time to see him stay too long in MMA it was sad it was it was sad and he shouldn't have been fighting anymore but he gets a reward here it's nice it's nice it's nice. Nobody deserves it more. It's beautiful. That's the one good thing about it, that that he he got a he got something, you know, for being a good person and for being a great champion. He got a nice reward. He beat a former champion, albeit albeit all the things I just said negative about Chavez. But he still he went into a different sport. He won. He gets that. He deserves it. I'm happy for him. Uh, I was thinking, you know, Ken, it must have been nice for him who, you know, he's been knocked out, Silver, and he, he's fought way past, he's in his 40s, he's fought way past his, his prime, but it must have been nice to put on 10-ounce gloves and not those freaking 4-ounce uh, things that are basically bare fist, <laughs> bare knuckle uh, that he's getting hit with in the MMA and to go in there it must have felt like uh, sleeping on a nice uh, pillow. <laughs> it must, for him, for that warrior, and he's a warrior, my God. For that warrior, what a what a gift it must have been to say, oh, I can wear 10 ounce? Wow. I mean, Jesus. I, I'm used to basically fighting with bare knuckles almost. And uh, wow, wow. He must have been like, gee, uh, this is like, this is like kitty stuff, <laughs> you know, in his mind. You know, he must have been like, well, what's the name of that golf where you take the kids uh, with the windmills? Mini miniature golf or putt-putt? Yeah, 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 yeah putt-putt. It's like going to putt-putt. It's mm -hmm. like going to miniature golf. He must have said, oh, my goodness, you're giving me 10-ounce gloves? Wow. I mean, this is, this, is, this is unbelievable. So, anyway, he went in there. He upsets, he beats Chavez. What can I say? I just, I don't know why anybody would would pay Chavez uh, Jr. And listen, Chavez Sr. is one of the greatest fighters of all time. He's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Mexican fighters uh, of all time. Uh, you know, you talk about the greatest Mexican fighters of, of all time. I mean, this... There's so many great ones, but Chavez's name is always either at or near the top of the list, uh, Chavez Sr. 
So I could only imagine how his father must have felt. <laughs> Which is what I was going to say. Chavez Sr. was in action um, in the main event against uh, Hector Camacho Jr. Chavez, 58 years old, will be 59 in one month on July 12th. Um, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see that one? And if so, what would you think? No, I didn't see it, but I don't have to. <laughs> I, I, I don't you have don't to. You want to watch 58-year-old guys fight? Listen, 58, I, I love Chavez Sr. I love him. I love him. He's a great, great fighter. I said it already. Um, Mickey Duff, the great Mickey Duff, who's not with us anymore, he he was one of the greatest boxing minds of all time, great promoter, ran everything in London for years. Uh, he was very witty. He would always come up with these sayings. He would have called this fight a has-been versus a never was. And, uh, and, you know, and you don't want to knock anyone. You don't want to. But really, when it comes down to, charging money to watch this stuff you gotta you gotta be honest with the people out there otherwise why do i have a microphone here uh like i said i didn't see it but come on come on come on come on i mean now camacho i mean camacho jr look his dad was great world champion in several weight classes his dad was great tragic ending tragic life uh they did a documentary on him uh on showtime too but Great speed. Some of the greatest speed you're ever going to see was in the hands of Camacho Sr. He was great. And he had a great chin. You wouldn't think about that with a guy who wore the kind of outfits he wore. <laughs> you know, and called himself Macho Time and Macho Man and danced around. But he had a great chin. He was tough. He had a great chin. Um, but, but Camacho Jr., his son... Listen, he wasn't special when he was young. And again, I'm not here to knock, so I'm here to tell the truth. I called his fights on ESPN when he was young. He wasn't special then. I'm not, I'm, he was a defensive fighter. He tried to fight you know, defensively um, and be obviously responsible and smart. He didn't, there was nothing he did great. He wasn't a puncher, um, anything. Uh, he wasn't great speed like his father had. Um, why he wasn't great when he was young why are we watching him now i mean why does someone think that's a good idea and as far as chavez senior one of like i said ken one of the greatest fighters of all time one of the greatest mexicans of all time for me it's and, and, and not in his order not in his order but for me you talk about the greatest Mexicans of all time chavez salvador sanchez carlos zarate ruben Oliveres. The, the, uh, listen, there's other guys, uh, you know, Juan Manuel Marquez and, you know, all those guys and Barrera. They're all great. They're and of more of the modern era. I get it. But as far as starting with the top four, I, I think it's the guys I just said. Chavez is right there. Um, why, why put him in now at this age, 58 years old, with a fighter who... Again, you're not trying to make fun of someone, but he couldn't carry his water, okay? He couldn't carry his water. It's just, I don't think it's right. You know, what are we doing? Does he need money? If he needs money, it's, 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 it happens to some of these fighters, and it's tragic. He made a lot of money. It's tragic and sad if he needs money. But then, for me, then... Then there should be a pension like the NFL, you know, has. But he shouldn't have to do this. We 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 should do better for a guy like that. 
Really. I know boxing's got all its freaking problems because there's no czar, there's no, I've always called, I tried to get it with Senator, the late great Senator McCain. Um, but, you know, there should be a pension. It's never going to happen. But there should be a pension in boxing. So great fighters like Chavez wouldn't have to do this. Wouldn't have to do this. So that's it. That's it for me. I'm out. Well, well bef- before I let you go, did you get a chance to see the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder press conference, the announcement of the trilogy fight? Deontay Wilder spent the entire uh, press conference not answering questions with headphones on. It just the whole thing was like a sideshow. I mean, you want us to tune in to see the fight, like answer the damn questions. It's like I was saying earlier with the dig in the hole. Deontay Wilder's in a hole. Someone should tell him to stop digging. He's making excuses. He's showing up and acting like a jerk at the press conference. Like, you want people to tune in. Hype the fight. Tell us you're going to kill him. Do something. Don't just sit there with your headphones on. It almost just looks like he's scared. He doesn't want to address. He, he He's afraid to address maybe all the different... Uh, excuses that he's make from his I mean you think of all the excuses his suit's too heavy his he was drugged the water um, Mark Breland was out to get him um, they put something in Fury's gloves Th- he's he's made all these claims none of them have any like there's no there's nothing to substantiate any of these allegations I don't know anyway what'd you think of the press conference listen Ken everything you said is fair accurate right um First of all, Wilder doesn't have the greatest personality. Um, he's not the greatest promoter in the world. Uh, you know, like Floyd Mayweather and some of these of you, know, you go over to the UFC, which, of course, we're very blessed to have those fans uh, with us on the podcast and talking about the UFC and, uh, you know, Conor McGregor and those guys. They, You know, they all know how to promote, uh, or most of them. Some of them are better than others. McGregor's special Mayweather was special. Muhammad Ali was special. But they they also had a special charisma. He doesn't really have that charisma. He really don't. He It's, it's sometimes hard to like, like him. When he did say something, like you said, come out there and say, I'm going to do this. When he did at the end say that, he, he said, like, I'm going to decapitate him. Or he said, I'm going to, uh, what did he say? It's going to be bloody and I'm going to chop his head off. I mean, uh, to me, it doesn't, that, I, I'd rather hear something else. Um, and especially after he sat there with his headphones on, I think it's kind of like, besides being ridiculous, it's a little, well, maybe it's not ridiculous. He Maybe he's got a method and a plan for it, which I, I'll talk about in a second. But it's still a little disrespectful. Maybe not even a little. It's a lot disrespectful to the fans, to the promoters. Um, not that anyone really has to respect some of these guys like Aram, you know, because they haven't always been respectful themselves, quite frankly. And again, we tell the truth here. I don't care. But um, still, you should be respectful to the sport, to the process, to the idea of a press conference, to the fans that are tuning into it. And and he, he wasn't really. He wasn't. But look, the main thing is to win. We've seen it in sports. We've seen it. We've seen it in life that if you win in the end, people kind of all, all forgive and people forget. And that's the main thing. And maybe that's all he's concentrating on. And I get it. I can see the possibility of that where uh, I could see two sides to it, where wearing the headphones was almost an admission that Fury gets into his head or has gotten into his head. It, it is, Ken. It's like he's admitting that. Um, 
and and this is being used to keep him out of my head. Uh, he's he's renting space in my freaking head, and I'm trying to kick him out. And this is the only way I can get him, you know, from squatting in my head, from squatting in my head again. Um, so so that's part of it, for for me to put a reasonable uh, spin on it of what it could be, and I think that's reasonable. Uh, it could be both. You could also say he doesn't want him in his head, but uh, and because he's you know concentrated solely on a fight, he doesn't want distractions. So you could also say that 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 he's just concentrated on a fight. It's all about winning, and he knows that he did get in his head uh, in the past. Maybe he's making an admission without meaning to, but this time it doesn't matter. That this is solely about the fight. I'm going to have no freaking distractions. I'm not going to... One of the strengths of Fury is the mind game. You know, his strength is that he's versatile. He can box. He moves really agile uh, in a, with a lot of... Uh, in an agile way for a big man, giant man, 6'7", 280, whatever he is. He's talking about coming in 300. I don't know if that's a good idea, <laughs> but whatever. Um, you never know with Fury. But he's a, com he's a comedian. He's a, he's a salesman. He's a promoter. But his gifts are many. He can box. He can. He showed in the last fight he could walk you down, which you know he hadn't really shown that except in a fight where he got cut. He did that. But other than that, he was always a boxer with Klitschko when he won the title first, the linear title. <laughs> he boxed uh, with an older Klitschko. He boxed the first time, of course, with Wilder. Then he showed again another dimension. He could walk to him and do that. So. We understand his gifts, but part of his gifts is to also get into your head. Psychology, like Muhammad Ali used to do. Uh, so maybe like Floyd Mayweather did a little bit. Uh, so you could also give credit to Wada. A lot of people are going to be surprised at this direction I'm going in and say that just like <laughs> if you know a guy has a good jab, you take his jab away, you slip it or... You counter with right hand to stop it. Well, if you know a guy is good psychologically at getting into your head, you take that away from him. And this was his way of taking that away from him, Ken. I give him credit for that. This is his way of saying, you know what? I'm not going to let him use that strength. He, I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to let him use that ability. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to block him out. So I look at it that way. Everything I look at is boxing. A fighting, and I look at it that way strategically. That that's what he was doing, and I think he probably was saying, "I'm not going to let him get into my freaking head. I've been susceptible, but you know what? Not this time." So, so if that's why he did it, and I believe it probably is, give him credit for that. Um, he's uh, he's thinking about the physical preparation, also the mental preparation by blocking him out. Uh, and this is how he's going to prepare by, again, locking him out. But then the face-off, they said it was five minutes. I, I, I thought it was longer. It felt, yeah. it felt like it was longer than five minutes. I'll be honest with you. It was almost uncomfortable. But it, it felt longer. It felt a lot longer. But whatever it was, I didn't have a stopwatch on it. But um, in the end, that was telling. And I'll tell you why, Ken. They were both looking for an edge. They're both looking to win the preliminary fight, the psychological fight. You know, Fury might have, in his mind, won the first part of it by 
facing him by going up there and making this guy submit to headphones, where he's basically admitting, I gotta, I gotta do something to get him out of my head. So in his mind, he's thinking, I got him. I, I already got him because he had to go to headphones. So, so in that way, but this was more, this was more basic. This was more traditional boxing, where the face-offs is part of the tradition of boxing, and this was more tangible, where you could pick a winner or loser. And I'll tell you what I, where I'm going. They stood there for all that time, whatever amount of time it was, facing off, and it's not just a traditional thing to do. It's now it's become it's it's part of the pre-fight stuff. It's like the first battle before the battle. There's three parts of the battle. If you're not a heavyweight, there's three parts. Even heavyweight. You got to make weight. You got to deal with the face-off. And then, of course, you got to get in the ring. So the face-off, who blinks first? Who wins the psychological battle of making the other guy look away? And don't think that this isn't important to fighters, Ken. It's huge. It's huge. Because it's about the mental state of how you go in a ring, how confident you are. And if you can feel that you've bullied your opponent, I'm using that name, that I don't want to use that. But if you could, if you think that you intimidated your opponent, if you think you made your opponent give in, show weakness, show a flaw, you're a little more confident going in. And that can mean a lot. That can mean a lot. And for me, with all that standing, all that staring, all the crap with the headphones before that, everything else, this was a little tangible. Because after all that time, who blinked first? Who looked away? Wilder did. Yeah, yeah, it got crazy. It got uncomfortable. Even the promoters, you could hear the talking in the back. What's going on here? Who's going to break this up? Don't touch them. Who's going to break this up? When's this going to stop? Is this, are we going to miss dinner? Because I think the uh, I think the Bob was thinking about his five o'clock martini, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I think so, maybe. And so, <laughs> you know, he, he's got to have that. And so they were getting a little nervous. Like, how long is this freaking thing going to go on? And and then all of a sudden, excuse it, make excuses, do whatever you want. But it was up to the two fighters. And both camps came next to them a little bit and whatever. And who broke first? Wilder. He broke first. He did. Whatever reason, you could say whatever you... I'm telling you, I've been in this sport my whole life. It means something. Listen, it's still going to come down to who lands the punches. I get it. I get it. But the mental state is so important. Wilder blinked first. He looked away. With all the bravado and all the, the words he used, I'm going to chop his head off. I'm going to decapitate him. I'm gonna blah. Whatever words it was. I can't remember what it was. But whatever it was, at the end, Fury didn't turn away. He did. He did. That meant something to me. At the end of the day, that meant we'll see. We'll see. At the end of the day, hey, they got to get in the ring. They got to fight the frequent fight. But, um, you know, you could even hear his corner people. You could even hear Fury, if you listen to it, after he turned away 
and walked away, Wilder being he. You could hear fury in his people saying, see, he ran away. He walked <laughs> away. He ran away. Yeah. So they're, and, and they're right. He did. I'm not saying he ran away, but they're right in their mind. And what was going on? There was a reason nobody was buckling for, for five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever minutes it was. There was a reason nobody was buckling. And then finally somebody buckled. And they had the opportunity to say, see, you ran away. See, you walked away. See, we beat you. <laughs> That's what I got out of it. Yep. Well, that one will certainly be an entertaining fight. I'm sure everyone will be tuning in to see that. Um, Teddy, before we sign off, I just want to give a quick shout out to um, Bardia over at PremierFightPicks.com. He had another big weekend of picking winners. He currently has a max bet posted for this weekend's UFC main event with Cyril Ghan and Alexander Volkov. Be sure to su subscribe at PremierFightPicks.com. Bardia has been on a tear as of late. Teddy, thanks for doing it this week. I know we covered a lot, and I appreciate you. Um, glad you got some time with the family and LBI. Always good to see you. Always good to see you. Give my best to your family, your beautiful family. Same to you, and thanks for everyone for being with us. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you. Thank you.